0: what's going on everyone welcome to another episode of bde big digital energy it's me your host frack slap even though i don't look like myself chuck is uh it's really weird still not sure that i'm even (laughs) frack (laughs) slap just another guest appearance this week it's the russian infiltrator (laughs) so dude that actually gets us right into our uh our first story let's talk about that russian uh, infiltration So i just want to say the uh clip of putin riding the bear is probably like one of the best like video clip memes on the internet i don't care what you think about putin like <laughs> yeah, that, it's no, pretty that's badass <laughs> yeah that is fair because you actually think it could be true you yeah. know <laughs> <So> that's <laughs> like that's the thing it's like i don't is it true is it, or true? Is it, is it real or is it fake so obviously this week uh chuck had you know i mean just a ton of news regarding uh russia and ukraine and the evasion by russia and i put out a tweet i think about a week ago i said the bad energy policy leads to war and had a lot of people that agreed with that also had a lot of people that said this is one of the stupidest fucking takes i've seen on the internet i think now that things have played out i think that i was leaning towards being right and those people were wrong um but let's kind of dive into energy policy bad energy policy and the second order effects and implications it has you know the energy crunch that europe has gone through dependency on russian natural gas and how that plays into the invasion um i'm going to let you kick it off and just well
1: cuz ultimately where i think we need to go with this is And it's not something we can do today because we're right in the middle of it. But Maybe this summer when we have a little bit of distance, we need to put together a piece of content that lays out, uh, let's call it the Marshall Plan for energy. Because I think what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a bifurcation of the energy supply chain. The Russians are going to sell to the Chinese. And the rest of the sources in the world, we need to secure and make sure we have it, europe has it, our allies have it. and so i think uh i think that's going to be literally the foreign policy initiative of the next decade because we've seen what russia can do when they have leverage over you. and so i'll just throw out some random things to get us thinking about this, but literally this summer we need to get some thought to it and and put forth a proposal. but the first thing we need to do is run a natural gas pipeline from somewhere in the Marcellus Utica up into Massachusetts. I mean, there's absolutely no brainer. Yeah. No-brainer. There's
0: absolutely no reason that and the eradicate L- the Jones act so that uh, LNG exports from Texas aren't getting sent overseas and they can just go up the coast to uh, Boston, if anything. Yeah. So why is Boston not importing LNG well, from well, Texas? But to your point, and ever just the Everett LNG,
1: intake storage terminal just needs to end right all of that lng that trinidad is uh supplying to boston needs to go to europe yeah that that's kind of like step number one there are probably like five to seven other lng export plants you've got a few of them on the west coast anything up in canada is pretty easy to do i was talking to a guy this morning that really knows lng he's like dude put an lng export terminal in philly and i was like philly and he goes go look at a globe philly to europe is a lot closer than new orleans or houston to uh yeah <laughs> to to europe and he said he said energy transfers got infrastructure there in the philly port could uh Interesting. C- could definitely make that happen you know, because uh, our lesson here needs to be the Japanese. You know, they the Russians had talked to them about running a pipeline from Sakhalin down to Japan, and the Japanese ultimately said no to that, even though it could reduce their costs thirty to forty percent on power generation. You know, because yeah. Japan said we're not going to be beholden to Russia on this. They're the largest buyers of LNG on the on the planet, and they chose that route for. uh non-leverage uh situations with the russians so this is really important well here's my
0: here's my thing is you know we've been talking over i don't know call it last five or six months about the energy crunch in europe uh germany specifically right as electricity prices have just skyrocketed and germany's kind of been the poster child for transitioning to renewables and um divesting out of uh, hydrocarbon infrastructure at a pretty aggressive rate to say the least and now they're dependent on natural gas from uh Russia to supply or to uh supplement their energy supply and so now you saw this week that Germany uh announced that they're going to build two LNG uh import terminals and so it's like you know, but they're still
1: launching their lawsuit against the EU that said that nuclear is a uh, part of the transition solution. So, yeah, I mean, we, we
0: baby steps Germany, but come on, guys. Yeah, there's a lot of just, I mean, buffoonery <laughs> going on, right? <laughs> but just the fact that it takes a war and innocent people dying for countries to say, oh, shit. You know, maybe our energy policy isn't well thought out and there's second order effects, major second order effects from the decisions that we make. You know, now's not the time to be building two LNG terminals. I mean, the time was fucking five, 10 years ago, right? Which I mean, I guess now's better than never, but these things have to be thought out. And as I've been saying on different platforms for several years, is that energy transition needs to be well thought out in a pragmatic manner so that you don't have a collapse of society do you consider you know potential world war three scenarios and nuclear fallout to be a collapse of society like i kind of think that falls in that bucket so i'm going to keep hammering that hey look i'm not against renewables not against any form of energy i think all energy is good energy i think that we need every fucking ounce of energy that we can produce but we have to do it in a way that is sustainable and responsible for society and you know all the climate doomers which not a climate denier people on twitter are like oh fuck, a climate denier i don't even know what the fuck that means How can you deny climate like like <laughs> of course you have climate we've had climate change we've had climate change since the beginning of time right but yeah if climate changes too aggressively, it can have negative consequences and people can die. But guess what? If we don't have energy, people also fucking die. So keep that in mind. And the problem is, is that people, energy IQ is so low that people don't consider that, right? They think that, you know, we could go back to life in the seventeen, eighteen hundreds, and, you know, everything's just going to be fine. And it's like, no, modern life requires ample amounts of energy. And we need that from oil and gas, from coal, from nuclear, from hydro, from wind, solar, geothermal. We need it all. And we should have good policy that supports that.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, I think everyone has voted. And when I say everyone, I think virtually everyone has voted that we're going to a less carbon intensive future. I mean, people have said they want it. It's consumers, it's investors, et cetera. The thought is, do we do it by spending $200 trillion or do we do it by spending $15 trillion? And I mean, at the end of the day, that's the issue I see is that we don't have energy doesn't have a seat at the table to make some of these realistic rational type trade-offs of, Hey guys, if we're going to get rid of nuclear, we're now dependent on Russian gas. We all good with that? You know, Oh, Germany, we're going to use, we're going to use wind the wind is in the northern part of the country. South is where we have all our industry. You know how much we're going to lose, you know, transmitting well, the power that the way. The problem
0: is, is if energy even gets a seat at the table, you know, you start having these conversations, and they're like, "Oh well, you're just an oil boy." you know your bias. Right. <laughs> you're looking out for your self-interest. And so that's what it always comes down to is uh people aren't able to think objectively and they just re- they kind of default to saying, "Hey, you're biased. You just support one energy source." And you know, you see this in renewables too and clean energy. Like my favorite fights are nuclear versus solar bros on Twitter. <laughs> like they <laughs> fucking hate each other just as much as renewables hate oil and gas people. So, um you know, we got to raise energy IQ. Energy needs to sit at the table to have a part of the discussion. And that's just, I mean, that's not negotiable. That has to happen. What,
1: um, table, what table
0: are you talking about? Ooh, Tim asked me what table we're talking about. You know, what metaphorical table are we <laughs> talking that, about? That long Putin table <laughs> where <laughs> that's, he's that's the only one in. That's the... the only table I care about. We need to be able to bring up images in real time. That way we can show Putin's uh, table. table. That's the table I want to sit at. <laughs> it's a table that we do need to see that but yeah i don't know who who runs that table is it the world economic forum is it you know what table is Greta like Greta gets invited to all those tables that's the table that we need to be at
1: exactly and thoughts and prayers with the ukrainian people and it's sad as you said earlier that a war is what has to wake us up to it but hopefully uh we'll be awake to it and we'll we'll make better decisions going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. on... this is this is awesome. What's that? We have not had shotgun weddings since November 23rd. Oh damn. And this is I think one of my favorite clips we've got. So, let's do it.
0: I went clean shaven for this shotgun wedding. That's how you know it's a <laughs> special occasion. Um, it's been a while since we've had one. So, what's the shout wedding? out? Shout out to GW real
1: quick. This is a great quote. Energy IQ is so far left on the bell curve that you can't even see the average. Damn. We that's a good quote. We need <laughs> we need an energy person there so we can at least see the average. Maybe. Yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. Frack Chevron buys Renewable Energy Group for $61.50 a share. Uh that's almost a 90% premium for where REG was selling, you know, call it a month ago, month and a half ago. I don't even know what Renewable Energy does. It's biodiesel. Yeah, I don't even so know what, what that is. They're a biodiesel
0: manufacturer out of Iowa. And so I'm looking at their website right now because I'm kind of I'm you know, your biodiesel. You're out of Iowa. I start immediately thinking, okay, are they making this out of uh, corn? Um, what are they making this biodiesel out of? And like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm here on the website right now, looking real time, trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> but uh, I told you before we got on the show that like when I was 17 years old, I was obsessed with the idea of cooking biodiesel. Like, you could buy these little containers and you can make like 50 gallons of biodiesel so this was
1: the point you went oil field instead of meth no it's funny because
0: (laughs) i didn't even know anything about like i did not care about energy power like i didn't know anything i was just obsessed with diesel trucks and (laughs) i was like this is cool being able to cook your own fuel So you know you'd go to a restaurant get their used uh, frying oil and you could uh, make biodiesel out of that and your exhaust would smell like French fries. (laughs) (laughs) Either positive or uh, negative consequence, uh, depending on how you look at it. But the thing with biodiesel, one, you know, let's just get this out there: making fuel out of food is clown world. I mean that's knuckle dragger shit, right? I mean. It's just not sustainable. It's not commercially viable. That has to end. You know, a lot of other people are trying to make biodiesel out of algae. I don't think that's going to be scalable as well. So I love the idea of biodiesel, but it's just been hard to do at a commercial scale and have it um, be economic and sustainable. And I just like, I don't see like turning food into fuel being the future like it hasn't worked i don't think it's gonna work so i can't speak on renewable energy group and what they're doing to make biodiesel but i know everything biodiesel related up to this point has come from either food algae those types of things so let's
1: take algae the greatest decarbonizer on
0: the planet and let's turn that into fuel. <laughs> that's a, That sounds great. That's a great way of uh, positioning it. I've never thought of that. You know, I mean, algae. There are literally startups right now that have raised millions of dollars to create these massive carbon sinks in the ocean, and all they are algae farms. And, yeah, yeah. You know, hey, we're just going to sink carbon to the bottom of the ocean. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, why would you go harvest that algae and then <laughs> and turn <laughs> it into diesel? Um, that's a that's a great point. So, anyways. I mean, if anyone's going to be able to commercialize this technology, it's companies like Chevron, right? I mean, they have the um uh, the engineering expertise, facility expertise to do these types of things. So I'll have to look into um renewable energy group more and see what they're actually doing. But um, you know, the 17-year-old of me kind of geeks out when I saw the nice. biodiesel story come up in the news, but now that I'm, uh, you know, 15 years wiser, I'm also like, I don't know if there's actually <laughs> anything there. So, the uh, the exhaust smelling like French fries is my
1: vivid memory from this discussion. <laughs> that, makes, that makes the world better. But no, this is this is this kind of goes back to a point for investors. If you want exposure to the bull oil run that everybody says is going to happen, I mean, I haven't looked in the last few days to see what the war's done to it, but. You know, just a week ago, two weeks ago, four years out, you could still buy oil at 65 bucks a barrel, you know. And so if you want exposure to that, historically, you went and bought the majors because they would run with oil prices. They're not going to do that if they're doing French fry oil. So that's big. That's a big difference we're going to have as investors going forward. How do I get
0: my beta exposure to oil? That's the thing. I mean, it's one thing if. I'm a dude in a garage with a fifty, hundred gallon tank, you know, that cost me $2,000 to put together and I'm making rounds around the restaurants and cooking up my own biodiesel and I'm self-sufficient, you know, making my own fuel. Um, one, today's diesels can't even run off of that. You know, I was running this through old school 7.3 liter diesel on a Ford, which will run off of pretty much anything that you put <laughs> in the engine. New diesel engines aren't made for that um and then it's another thing to be able to commercialize a technology like that and i think that when you look at deep tech there's a lot of grift in the space right now um a lot of promises and hope and not a lot of actual tangible results and so i think that um a lot of investors vcs those types will get their faces ripped off chasing some of this technology but Maybe the Nikolai car can run off it. Maybe that's that's the way we we put it all all together. That's the next shotgun wedding.
1: (laughs) There we go. There we go. All right, let's go to Colorado.
0: All right, going up to Colorado for some oil and gas. And I totally downloaded
1: the wrong clip. That was uh, two weeks ago, but I think it's going to make my point. So
0: keep going. (laughs) To be honest, I don't think anyone gives a shit about that. They don't don't even watch the clips. (laughs) The music's good on those. Oh, so Colorado native PDC Energy is consolidating its Wattenberg operating position by swallowing up Great Western Petroleum for $1.3 billion. PDC will be paying for its new assets by issuing 4 million shares of PDC stock and a nice fat stack of $543 million dollars. Upon closing of the transaction, PDC will get roughly 55,000 barrels of oil production with a 67% liquid yield and an additional 315 identified drilling locations with 125 permitted or duct locations. Chuck, what's the uh, what's the overall synopsis of this m deal? What do you think?
1: Meh. Nah. <laughs> this is more of the same.
0: Um...
1: It's like what we talked about two weeks ago with the clip we did. Even though I promise y'all I updated the, the clip, I will tweet it out. But no, I mean, you've got Colorado, horrible regulatory environment. You probably just need one oil and gas company right there to go butt heads with the regulators. So they're consolidating up. It's private equity trying to take as much cash as they can for their assets. So in this case, they were able to get $543 million. So kudos to... EIG and TPG for doing that, having to take shares for the rest that they'll dribble into the market over time. But it's, it's the same story. It's consolidation. It's, you know, trying to two put the, uh, the green by taking stock dribbling it out. And we'll probably have this story five more times in the next three to six months.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, the oil and gas, m a and gets pretty, monotonous and and boring <laughs> i mean all the deals look i feel the like same we right, have so. to report it uh um, we have to report it it's just like
1: there's not a lot to say about these things We'll we'll keep digging into them and
0: hopefully find i don't know how you investment something. bankers like get joy out of life like just underwriting these deals all the time I guess when the bonus check hits, <laughs> yeah, you, you like it. But. Exactly. The,
1: ba- the bankers get paid in cash, so they really yeah. like it. The private equity guys at least have something they uh, they can uh, they can do about it. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, the dirty little uh, secret of private equity is normally when you sell an asset, you have to stop charging management fees on it. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee you they'll distribute the $543 million worth of cash those four million shares, they'll continue to charge management fees on those shares until they're actually sold. So, <laughs> yeah, how
0: so, that well, how
1: that how that works when uh, the LPs themselves could go
0: buy PDC public shares a little bit beyond me, but you know. Okay, there is some exciting yes. uh, news in oil and gas. Let's world do though. this, and
1: this, and this, this we actually have the right clip
0: for. There you go. All right, play your clip. Play your clip for the people. All right, hit them with uh, what we got. So EQT announced
1: an investment-slash-strategic relationship with Watt Fuel Cell Basically, sounds like EQT, anywhere they're running natural gas, are going to put residential fuel cells to generate electricity for folks out there. I think this is pretty exciting and very disruptive in a positive way. It's really disruptive.
0: And I know I'm going to get some hate on EFT people. I'm like, oh, get off of Toby Rice's dick. Like, (laughs) everyone says that. But I'm a big fan of distributed energy systems and this is actually a really unique idea to me because if you look at watt fuel cell you know they raised 67 million dollars in funding and ultimately what they want to do is they want to put this uh proprietary fuel cell in everyone's backyard right and the way that you can look at this is you know how does how does natural gas typically work you have a natural gas producer like eqt They produce a molecule, they put it in a pipeline. Pipeline then goes to power generation, a peaker plant, and then peaker plant turns it into electricity, and then utility distributes that electricity, and uh, consumers pay for it, right? Think about if you can shorten up that process to where you put a fuel cell in everyone's backyard, which is essentially the peaker plant, right? Just in a compact form. Now everyone that has access to natural gas line, which is... A big majority of homes now has a power plant in their backyard. And so they can bring this gas in, produce their own electricity right there in their backyard. But another interesting thing that they're wanting to do is with their virtual meters, which is a whole nother topic, you can start selecting um you know how much how much methane do you want you know how much hydrogen do you want you know if you want to be cleaner and you're willing to pay more of a premium for hydrogen or you know cleaner uh fuels you can just select a slider and you can um essentially have less of a carbon impact and so I think stuff like this like one I'm a nerd when it comes to microgrids and distributed energy because I think that um we're in a really cool, I know we've said this a lot, but I think that we're in a really cool period of energy where people are going to start being able to take power generation into their own hands through, you know, heat pumps and through solar panels and through generators and now a natural gas fuel cell. Um, I think that this is really cool. And I think that the way that EQT is looking at their investment and their partnership with Watt Fuel Cell is innovative as well it's an oil and gas company looking at hey how can we do something outside of just m a and consolidation and you know trying to extract value out of um assets and actually utilize and invest in a technology that changes the way that people power their their homes and their lives and so i think it's i think it's awesome you have eqt involved which is the leading natural gas. Um, producer it's not like it's some chump you know pushing this out to market i mean they should be able to get market distribution and get it into people's homes so i'm excited about it i think it's going to be really cool
1: big big important lesson in looking at distributed energy we started off life with what i'll call the you know, the the Big, huge power plant and then wires everywhere, because that's the technology that worked way back in the day. Yeah, for sure. And as we continued to develop new technologies, the technologies that succeeded were actually the folks that were able to leverage the existing infrastructure. So never let that lesson be lost on you is as we make this transition to less carbon, we're going to have to leverage existing infrastructure And uh, the other big lesson we need to learn from this is regulatory, because once we put power lines around everywhere, they were part of the rate base. The regulators would look after them, and that held distributed generation back 40 years. We could have been doing fuel cells back in the 70s with a better regulatory environment. I think what's so cool about it is the worst part of our energy infrastructure in the United States are power wires. You have such huge losses there just from friction trying to transmit power yeah. from here to there. None of the wires are buried. So that's your big flaw. You have bad weather. Wires go down. It, uh, it leads to blackouts, etc. cetera. Yeah. And then just the, 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 the damage it causes when you have fires, et cetera. So natural gas lines, they're all buried. Everybody has one in their backyard. So this could be really cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. And shout out to Johnny Garcia. He said hello from Pecos, Tejas. Got a lot of love from my people far out West Texas. It's good to Podys, have you here on the show. Pody's Barbecue out in Pecos, Texas has the
1: best barbecue sauce I've ever had. They make it with ghost peppers. Damn. It's amazing. It's a
0: raving review from the Chuck guy. <laughs> <laughs> All a right. Fat guy. Let's get into Finger of the Week to end out the show. Chuck, play the clip.
1: actually justifies in President Biden's view is the fact that we need to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, on oil in general, and need to and we need to look at other ways of process of having energy in our country. Those that don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. I mean we basically talked first 10-15 minutes of the program today about getting rid of nuclear Etc. and not having the wherewithal to be able to go fight the Russians or have leverage against the Russians. I mean, are we really going to give our strategic advantage up because the wind's not blowing today? I don't get it.
0: Yeah, you know, my finger of the week goes to people on Twitter that were Silicon Valley-esque VCs um, calling for more domestic energy production via oil and gas drilling. Just want to give a big fuck you... On behalf of everyone in oil and gas that's been demonized over the last 10 years, you know, at first I was like, oh, hey, it's good that their eyes are opening. Um, But then, you know, a lot of people reach out to me. It's like, dude, these people have hated us for the last 10 years and they'll hate us again. Um, You know, I saw a great remark on Twitter that, uh, you know, being woke is a product of peacetime and war (laughs) opens up everyone's eyes, right? And reality is hitting everyone like a brick wall. And I think you know, I think it's good that people's eyes are opening up, and they say, "Hey, we need domestic energy production." You know, energy independence is a lie. That's you know, that'll never, that'll never happen. Um, it can't happen. You know, we'll al- always be relying on someone for energy, but we should have the ability to power um, our country on demand and not be reliant on. Like, imagine if you know Boston's reliant on russia for gas to some degree imagine if that was the whole united states i mean you see countries like europe where this is happening imagine if that was the united states we can't fall under that and so anyways my finger of the week goes to people that have uh told everyone in oil and gas how they're killing the planet and they're uh burning up the earth and their work isn't meaningful um it's very meaningful and i think that oil and gas domestic. Oil and gas in the United States is looking very ESG now. It is one of the most safe and reliable forms of energy and one of the most sustainable. So I think that if you can defend missiles being USG, (laughs) literally things that are used to kill humans, and you're saying, oh, well, if it's used to defend your country from an invader, then it's ESG. Well, guess what? Oil and gas is ESG as well. It does a lot of good for society. So not uh, playing into the narrative anymore.
1: So I will take it one step further and take a solemn vow that we're actually willing to be trusted partners in this endeavor going forward. Um, you want to throw criticism at us in the past of not being the most responsible actors. We'll just go ahead and say guilty as charged. Sorry about that. We've done a lot to clean up our act. And like you said, we are the cleanest form of energy on the planet. You don't want the Russians doing it. You don't want the Venezuelans doing it. Throw a little shade at the Saudis, too. They're not the cleanest of, uh, of producers out there. We really do it really well in the United States. And we need to be partners in all this because, like you said, how we started the show, people are fucking dying because we haven't been very thoughtful about energy.
0: Yeah, Rob King uh, dropped a quote from Toby Rice in the uh, comments, said U.S. Uh, LNG is the most ESG movement in the world right now. Couldn't agree more. And then Ryan Knuckles also said, make nuclear great again. Look, support all of that. I think that we need every ounce of energy that we can get um, through every form. So hopefully other people are waking up to that realization as well. Anyways, I'm sure that, uh, you know, hey, this week it was nice not having uh, Elizabeth Warren or Justin Trudeau as finger of the week, you know, change it up a little bit. I'm sure that they'll be making an appearance here sometime soon. I think Justin Trudeau kind of got bailed out um, by the war, you know, took yeah. a lot of effort or took a lot of eyes off of him. But
1: I, I haven't researched this, but I love the fact he said we're not going to import Russian oil, and they haven't since 2019. we yeah. so, go, Justin.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Doug. We appreciate that. So, anyways, guys, appreciate y'all joining us uh, for this week's show. We'll be back next week, uh, just like we all are every uh, Tuesday, 10:30 a.m. Chuck, you got anything? Just we've got an uh, upcoming the Empower the Bitcoin
1: mining conference that we're doing in late March, that's going to be really cool. So get your tickets.
0: Lots of uh, momentum and traction and hype around that. So make sure that you uh, get in before tickets, uh, ticket prices go up. Hope to see you guys there and we will catch you guys next week on BDE. Peace.